Welcome to Behind the Line, where we pull back the curtain on the challenges facing first responders and frontline workers. The work you do is unique, and so are the stresses that go with it. Join me as we tackle key issues to reduce risks for burnout, and as we work to support you in doing the job you love without sacrificing being the kind of person you want to be. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Behind the Line. I'm your host, Lindsay Foss. If you're new to Behind the Line, what you should know about me is that I'm a clinical counselor specializing in trauma therapy. And after years working with first responders and frontline workers around issues like burnout, compassion fatigue, PTSD, and related OSIs, I've become a passionate wellness advocate and educator for those who sacrifice so much for our communities out on the front lines. Behind the Line is a place for us to talk about the real-life, behind-the-scenes challenges facing you on the front lines. I created this podcast with the hope of bringing easy access to skills for wellness, allowing you to find greater sustainability both on the job and off. Believe it or not, friends, today marks nine weeks that we have been working through the idea of daring leadership, connected to Brene Brown's work from her book, Dare to Lead. We have talked through the main concepts, and we've talked to a couple of incredibly brave frontline workers who shared their own perspectives on the challenges facing those within the system and their ideas on daring leadership as we work to change the system from the inside out. It has been a journey, friends, and I have so loved and appreciated the feedback along the way. Thank you so much to those who have taken the time to reach out and share the ways that this series has been helpful or challenging. Hearing from you is a huge motivator to keep showing up week after week and broaching these topics. Today, we are wrapping up this series on leadership, although it's a topic I'm very sure we will hit on again and again. There were a few pieces from Dare to Lead that I skipped over a bit due to time constraints in previous episodes that I felt were important and deserved some airtime, so I'm going to spend some time today circling back to those. I also want to take time to tie everything we've learned together and really anchor it into the work you do within the systems you find yourselves and the challenges you're facing. My hope is that this episode will be the intersection between the conceptual learning of the first several episodes and the feedback we heard from our guests these last two weeks on the very real and personal implications of the broken system for those showing up on the front lines. I want us to pull it all together and feel like we walk away from this series with a plan to keep up the good fight as our ragtag rebel alliance. Before we jump in, I also want to let you know about a few fun things coming up. First, this week, we are running a social media contest with a few fun prizes that we'll draw for. If you haven't yet, find me on Facebook and Instagram at Lindsay A. Foss and follow the contest rules to enter. We want your help to spark ideas for upcoming episodes your support in sharing this podcast with those you know, and in exchange, we'll enter you to win a little something-something. Second, I'm also so excited to announce that we'll be running the Self-Care Dare 5-Day Challenge again, starting at the end of June. The feedback after the first time offering this 5-Day Challenge was so incredibly positive, and we've had a number of you sign up on the waitlist So we decided that now is the time to run it again. 
what a great way to step into summer. Registration for the self-care dare will open on Tuesday, June 15th. Mark it in your calendars to sign up or hop over to our podcast page right now and sign up for our wait list and you'll get early access to register. The actual five-day challenge will kick off on June 29th and includes daily videos walking you through five key domains of self-care, bonus worksheets and resources to help you personalize an action plan, access to a private Facebook group where we will connect, problem solve, and celebrate, and because I love them, prizes to keep you motivated along the way. You can learn more at my.thrive-life.ca slash behind dash the dash line. I know there's so many dashes. So an easier way of doing it is to just Google behind the line Lindsay Foss and you'll find me there. Okay, let's finish this series on daring leadership strong. To recap for a minute, in episode 19, which was the first episode in the daring leadership series, we summarized Brene's key concepts And I want to make sure these are really anchored for you. So here they are one more time. Brene defines leadership as, quote, anyone who takes responsibility for finding the potential in people and processes and who has the courage to develop that potential, end quote. Connected to this and broken down throughout her book, which if you haven't purchased it, you should. You'll find the link in the show notes. There are three prerequisites identified by her research that are at the heart of daring leadership. Number one, you can't get to courage without rumbling with vulnerability. Embrace the suck. That's her quote. She says that courage involves four key skill sets that we work to break down throughout the series. They are rumbling with vulnerability, living into our values, braving trust, and learning to rise. The second major prerequisite identified by her research, and again I quote her, self-awareness and self-love matter. Who we are is how we lead. And last but not least, the third prerequisite is, quote, courage is contagious. To scale daring leadership and build courage in teams and organizations, we have to cultivate a culture in which brave work, tough conversations, and whole hearts are the expectations, and armor is not necessary or rewarded. Now, let's hold up here a second and talk about armor. One of the pieces I skipped over for the sake of time a number of weeks back is a list that Brene includes that differentiates qualities of armored leadership versus daring leadership. I hated that I had to skip over it for time's sake during the week that we did that that piece, but I think that the list is really helpful. And I've included a link in the show notes if you want to take a look for yourself. Or again, just buy the dang book because obviously everyone should own it and reread it annually. Wait, is that not normal? Okay, it's just me. Here's a quick rundown of the list. Under armored leadership, Brene includes driving perfectionism and fostering fear of failure, working from scarcity and squandering opportunities for joy and recognition, numbing, 
propagating the false dichotomy of victim or Viking, crush or be crushed, being a knower and being right, hiding behind cynicism, using criticism as self-protection, using power over, hustling for our worth, leading for compliance and control, weaponizing fear and uncertainty, rewarding exhaustion as a status symbol and attaching productivity to self-worth, tolerating discrimination, echo chambers, and a fitting in culture, collecting gold stars, zigzagging and avoiding, and leading from hurt. So those all fall under armored leadership. Now hear how those are contrasted by the list around daring leadership. Modeling and encouraging healthy striving, empathy, and self-compassion. Practicing gratitude and celebrating milestones and victories. Setting boundaries and finding real comfort. Practicing integration, strong back, soft front, wild heart. Being a learner and getting it right. Modeling clarity, kindness, and hope making contributions and taking risks, using power with, power to, and power within, knowing our value, cultivating commitment and shared purpose, acknowledging, naming, and normalizing collective fear and uncertainty, modeling and supporting rest, play, and recovery, cultivating a culture of belonging, inclusivity, and diverse perspectives, giving gold stars, straight talking and taking action, and leading from heart. Now, it's a lot to digest, and I would really encourage you to take a look at the show notes and check out the link that I've shared that includes this list and sit with it a bit. Sit with it from the perspective of what my workplace feels like it models, as well as the perspective of where do I fit in this? What is my leadership like? And where can I work on growing from armored leadership to daring leadership? It's good, right? Aren't you glad that we're circling back? Okay, here's another piece I skipped over and promised to come back to because I know it's an area a lot of people struggle with. It's the topic of feedback. And I love that Brene offers some concrete resources for navigating the tricky terrain of giving and receiving feedback in workplace team settings. Again, I've got links for you keeners who want to see it in black and white, and you can find it as always in the show notes on our podcast website, which I listed before with all the dashes. It's my.thrive-life.ca slash behind-the-line. Brene identifies that we need to be in the right headspace to give feedback as well as the right headspace to receive feedback if we want it to be effective, useful, and constructive for the sake of the people involved, the team as a whole, and our collective goals. Are you ready? When it comes to being the giver of feedback, Brene outlines 10 key criteria to check myself against before proceeding. Here they are. First, I'm ready to sit next to you rather than across from you. Second, I'm willing to put the problem in front of us rather than between us 
or sliding it toward you. Third, I'm ready to listen, ask questions, and accept that I may not fully understand the issue. Fourth, I'm ready to acknowledge what you do well instead of picking apart your mistakes. Fifth, I recognize your strengths and how you can use them to address your challenges. Sixth, I can hold you accountable without shaming or blaming. Seventh, I'm open to owning my part. Eighth, I can genuinely thank someone for their efforts rather than criticize them for their failings. Ninth, I can talk about how resolving these challenges will lead to growth and opportunity. And last but not least, I can model the vulnerability and openness that I expect to see from you. Now, I want you to take just a moment to imagine what it would feel like to receive feedback from someone who has put in the time and effort to walk this process through in themselves before addressing feedback with you. When leaders put in the work to hold themselves to a standard, it creates the space for those they lead to feel seen, heard, known, and valued, even in the process of uncomfortable yet brave conversations. It changes the game at its core. We're not just paying lip service to caring about our people. We are actually showing measurable care for our people in how we engage them from the small stuff to the big stuff. If these kinds of questions and criteria were common practice in the spectrum of workplace interactions, the degree of respect, care, and wellness would invariably be enhanced. This is what we're talking about when we talk about change from the inside out. And to some extent, it's what you heard from both T.C. Randall as well as Jen Pound, what was missing for them throughout their careers as well as in the moments where they were in the greatest state of need, was leadership showing up and giving an actual damn. If we have leaders who choose to show up in the small stuff, working intentionally to walk through this kind of criteria and ensuring their personal capacity to hold space for the person they're about to engage in feedback, the trickle out effect from there to the bigger, harder stuff would have significantly positive consequences for the current state of the system and those it is taking out in mass mental and emotional casualties. Brene also addresses how to receive feedback. However, she addresses this in a less systematized way, in part because the receiver of feedback doesn't generally get the same lead time to know what's coming, and it isn't their responsibility to lead the process. That said, as receivers of feedback, we do have responsibility to ourselves, and she identifies that the primary concern in receiving feedback is, how do we stay aligned with our values while we're receiving feedback regardless of the skill of the person delivering it. She clarifies that regardless of how well the person offering feedback does or doesn't do, we need to value that feedback is part of the process of mastery and that we need to work at making it meaningful for us, even if it's poorly delivered. She offers a couple of her own thoughts on the matter, her own tricks to navigating hearing hard things in hard moments from people who may not always have the best skills. 
She talks about a few mantras she rehearses on repeat in her mind during these interactions. Phrases like, I'm brave enough to listen, or there's something valuable here, take what works and leave the rest, or this is the path to mastery, or finally, these people care about this as much as I do. Brene reminds that when receiving feedback, we need to work to stay present and avoid defensiveness. This involves using many of the skills we've talked about in other parts of this podcast to help us ground, regulate our emotions, and stay open to being learners rather than knowers, even if what we're working to learn is the other person's perspective. Our goal is to listen, be curious, and integrate feedback as well as hold accountability for what's ours. This is the thick of courage in vulnerability. As we've navigated this series, two areas of concern showed up repeatedly in the feedback I received from many of you as it relates to practicing these skills within first response and frontline work contexts. I bet you can guess them, and likely they've been on your mind as you've been listening. The first one is, that all sounds well and good, Lindsay, but you obviously have no idea the pace we're facing in our work. There is no time for these kinds of conversations, no time to train our people to collectively adapt to this kind of stance, no time to invest in the wellness of our people. Sound about right? My answer to that one is, Yeah, I know the pace is intense, but that speaks to a systemic problem, doesn't it? That so many of the workplaces we're talking about are continually facing budget challenges that lead to staffing shortages, as well as staff burnout that leads to further staffing shortages, resulting in those who are left carrying more of the load than is reasonable to expect. I know that pace is a huge obstacle to work around in trying to apply some of what we've talked about in this series, but it's also exactly why we need to work at implementing these pieces. If we were to make even small changes in the ways we prioritize care for one another, care for our people in the work, we could potentially reduce the rate of burnout and improve the rate of return from a leave supporting more effective staffing. Even better, if we could make even small changes to how we value our people, we could learn from them. We could be open to collaboration, hearing their voices about what it's like to be on the front lines, and we could allow this to more effectively inform decisions that are being made higher up the chain. All that said, I want to throw in a couple of reminders. Change is gradual. We're playing a long game here, and the real opportunity for systemic transformation lives in you growing up into positions of greater influence without selling out your frontline values when confronted with the upper echelons of the system. When implementing the daring leadership strategies in your workplace, pace yourself and your expectations. Join with others for support encouragement and anchoring to why it matters. And last but not least, care for yourself. You are not easily replaced and we need you. 
We need people like you who care deeply for the community to be present and doing the work. So be intentional about stewarding yourself as a resource. Care for yourself and ensure your well-being. The second concern I've heard a lot is, this won't work where I work. And the rationale I've been given is that it's just too broken. Leadership is so broken, so far up the ladder that it feels completely hopeless to even attempt to tackle it. What I can say about this one is, I hear you. I'm not new to this feedback. I hear it all the time from clients I work with around occupational stress injuries. Consistently, OSIs rarely result explicitly from the calls alone. More commonly, it's the cumulative stress of the calls over time intertwined with the extraordinarily complex nature of the workplace itself. It's the getting it on all sides that overwhelms our system. There's no safe place to land. I'm going to echo a few pieces I just shared related to the pace concern. We're playing a long game and in that long game, you are one of the greatest assets to a movement to shift the system. It's a bit like being a covert spy. We need emotionally informed people who care to shift mental health and wellness within the system to rise through the ranks and grow access to power to be able to grow influence and really scale transformation. That said, it starts here. It starts with being in our integrity, living into our values, showing up bravely to rumble in the arena and modeling that this is who we choose to be. These pieces in small ways inform a culture and encourage others to meet in this space too. Inform one another about OSIs, check in on one another, care about one another, support one another, and together we can reach something greater than any one of us can alone. Remember, Brene says, who we are is how we lead, and courage is contagious. I will also echo that in workplaces where it feels too far gone, caring for yourself is vital. And my last comment about this area of concern is don't get caught up in guilt and shame if you need to take a step back or a step away. Like I said before, you are the greatest asset to this movement but you can't be if you're not okay. Your well-being is of paramount importance. If your well-being needs some time away from the work, take it. If your well-being needs to change gears and go to a different department or follow a different path, do it. Never regret prioritizing you. I'm actually going to add one more area of concern that weighs heavy on my mind, given the work I do, and particularly following the last two interviews with T.C. Randall and Jen Pound. The cost of leadership that fails to dare is so incredibly high. It's high for the workers who are suffering from occupational stress injuries. It's high for the workplaces that lose highly qualified staff. And it's high for the communities who rely on the highly qualified members of teams on the front lines. Both TC and Jen shared stories that included a key component, isolation. 
Forget for a minute the decades they spent in their careers facing all that they faced in one of Canada's busiest ERs and on Canada's largest homicide investigation team, respectively. After managing all of that in a context that failed to support them or even identify that they were struggling when it became apparent, they took leaves and no one reached out. No one engaged with human concern. They were left to fend for themselves, advocating while suffering, navigating tremendous hurdles blindly and with minimal support. And when someone finally did reach out, it was to ask, when are you coming back to work? We need to be concerned about this. This is what I'm talking about when I talk about the mental and emotional casualties of the system. It has to change. We have to change it because what it is right now is so completely unacceptable. Here's where you can make a difference. You can check in on your team. Similar to the telephone chains of the good old days, I have seen frontline teams create a similar check-in chain. Each person is assigned a person or a couple of people within the team to check in with on a semi-regular basis. You don't have to be best friends and you don't have to carry each other's baggage and engage in lengthy debriefs. Your job is just to touch base, show an interest, invest some care, engage in some random acts of kindness to build each other up and shine a light on the goodness in the world. Whether the people are at work or off on a leave, the assignment remains the same. Next, check in with yourself. One of the pieces that resonated from both TC and Jen's stories was leaving it too long, not knowing what to look for, not seeing the signs sooner, and then crashing hard when it all hit like a ton of bricks. One of my best pieces of advice is to schedule a time every other month or quarterly at the longest to go grab your favorite coffee, find a quiet spot somewhere and have a ponder. Take time to reflect on how you're doing. Use our Beating the Breaking Point Indicators Checklist and Triage Guide to help guide your check-in process if this helps structure it a bit for you. It can also be helpful to use this as a comparative piece. You can see if you're ranking at a similar, better, or worse place than the last time you did a check-in, and this can help alert you to what may need some attention before you hit crash and burn. Last but not least, don't shy away from help. I know there's stigma and pride and uncertainty about where to go and the process involved, but do your best to find someone who you connect with, who can support you in sustaining your wellness in a line of work where no one comes out unscathed. Before we wrap up today, I want to thank you for being on this ride with me through this series and the podcast as a whole. I hope you've been able to connect with others within your workplace to support one another in considering the way forward in your unique system. And I hope that today's episode helps to anchor that as you go forward. I've said before that I know that some of the broken pieces are just so very, very broken. And that for some, the processes outlined in this series sound wonderful, but so hard to apply with limited power to influence and shape the higher up, broader problems that leach down. Remember to start with you. Start with your immediate team. Stand united in your valuing of one another and grow from there. 
as you continue in your journey with this process, I would love to hear from you and know what you found helpful or challenging. You can reach out by email or on social media. You can find all of my contact details in the show notes on our podcast website. Please do check out the show notes today for links to some of Brene's free resources mentioned in this episode. They're really helpful. And if you're interested in snagging a copy of the book, you'll find a link to that too. Next week, we're changing gears and kicking off a new series on frontline families. We'll be talking about the impact of frontline work on partnering, parenting, engaging as a family, and the toll over time. And you know me, I like all the practical, so we're not just going to point to all the problems. We're going to work to give you some practical tools to bridge the gap between work and home, support the transition for you and your family, and give you some skills to support your family because at the end of the day, I know that you do so much of what you do for them. As I mentioned earlier, we're also starting to prepare to relaunch the Self-Care Dare five-day challenge for first responders and frontline workers. So if you haven't, go sign up on our waitlist on our podcast webpage. Again, it's my.thrive-life.ca slash behind-the-line. You can also find it by Googling Behind the Line Lindsay. I'm looking forward to reconnecting soon. Until next time, stay safe.